My name is Shane Coolbaugh. Thank you for joining me. Ever since I can remember, I've held a fascination, a positive obsession, if you will, with sitcoms. They give me joy and escapism. The genre is also something my mother and I have a mutual love for, as we still quote episodes of shows like Friends. I call sitcoms my positive obsession because they gave me a sense of companionship during some dark times in my life. Grappling with my identity as a young gay man, I would turn to Nick at night to help me silence the worries for a while on nights that I was up with anxiety. Seeing these characters navigate life gave me a sense of comfort. I was like them, and I would make it after all. Just like Mary Tyler Moore in her CBS sitcom opening, I'd throw my hat in the air and everything would be okay. <laughs> That's what I'd tell myself. However, I spent many years of my youth waiting to see more main characters like myself on the small screen. Throughout this podcast, we will explore the television genre's history of LGBT representation, pulling from sources like Visible, Out on Television, Streaming Now, and Apple TV+, and CNN's History of the Sitcom, available now on Discovery+. I will highlight some of the strides and missteps made along the way. And later on, my mother will join the program and we will talk about some of our favorite sitcoms and why we think we love them so much. Let's begin with one of the first representations of a thinly veiled gay character. Remember Uncle Arthur Arthur from Bewitched? His sexual orientation wasn't directly addressed, but Samantha's warlock brother was played by Paul Lind, who was gay. As a 2021 Decider article says, he gave gays permission to be themselves on TV. However, it wasn't until Norman Lear broke the barrier in February 1971 in an episode of All in the Family that he brought a gay character into the American sitcom. The synopsis from IMDb reads, Archie is irritated at Mike's offbeat friend who dresses and behaves in a way that leads him to mistakenly conclude he is a homosexual. But Archie soon learns that one of his best friends is gay. Let's listen to this historic scene. He thinks that friend of his, Roger, is straight. And for another thing, well, Steve, you're gonna wanna bust him wide open when I tell you this. I don't know where he gets these brainstorms, but he thinks that you're the... I can't even say it, Steve. He's right, Arch. Huh? (laughs) He's right. You mean he's right about his friend Roger there? About everything. Oh, come on. I mean, you want to joke about it, all right, but come on, get off it, huh, guy? Arch? How long you known me? 10, 12 years? Yeah. In all that time, did I ever mention a woman? Well, what difference does that make? You're a bachelor. So? I know, but pastors, they're always acting kind of private. Exactly. Oh, come on, Steve. I mean, I ain't the brightest guy in the world. You want to put me on, put me on, but don't sit there and tell me that you... I mean, look at you, look at... Come on, will you, big clown? You get out of here. Have it your own way, Arch. The truth's in the eye of the beholder anyway. I'll see you later, pal. (laughs) what norman lear did was revolutionary he was holding a mirror in front of some norman lear was guiding them towards becoming a more open-minded individual in a place they were comfortable in their living room watching television he knew what he was doing and understood the unique power of the medium of television 
Norman didn't stop breaking barriers. In a 1977 episode of The Jeffersons, we meet Edie, a friend of George Jefferson who transitions from male to female. Let's listen. Never had no secrets from each other. You can tell me anything, no matter how bad it is. So tell me, are you one of those guys that likes to dress up in women's clothes? Are you one of them, uh... Transvestites? Yeah, one of them. No. Good, because I can't stand them weirdos. <laughs> but look, if you ain't gay and you ain't a weirdo, what are you? I had the operation. I had a sex change. George, I'm a woman now. Oh. <laughs> There were some retrospective missteps in the episode's delivery, like incorrect terminology, but it was groundbreaking at the time. It was progress, imperfect progress. In the 1980s, the world was grappling with the AIDS epidemic. A few sitcoms took a bold stance at humanizing gay men facing shame and contempt. For example, in an episode of Designing Women called Killing All the Right People, Sugar Baker Firm designs a young gay man's funeral. His name is Kendall and he's dying of AIDS. Another client overhears the plans for the funeral, and this scene takes place. As far as I'm concerned, this disease has one thing going for it. It's killing all the right people. I'm a gene. I'm terribly sorry. I'm going to have to ask you to move your car. Why? Because you're leaving. What are you talking about? I'm talking about the only thing worse than all these people who never had any morals before AIDS are all you holier-than-thou types who think you're exempt from getting it. Well, for your information, I am exempt. I haven't lived like these people, and I don't care what you say, Julia Sugarbaker. I believe this is God's punishment for what they've done. Oh, yeah? Then how come lesbians get it less? That is not for me to say. I just know that these people are getting what they deserve. I'm a gene. Get serious. Who do you think you're talking to? I've known you for 27 years, and all I can say is, if God was giving out sexually transmitted diseases to people as a punishment for sinning, then you would be at the free clinic all the time. <laughs> NBC's Golden Girls also addressed the AIDS stigma in the 1980s. Character Rose learns she may have acquired AIDS from a blood transfusion. She begins to question how this could be happening to her. Let's listen. This isn't supposed to happen to people like me. You must have gone to bed with hundreds of men. All I had was one innocent operation. Hey, wait a minute. Are you saying this should be me and not you? No, no, I'm just saying that I am a good person. <laughs> Hell, I'm a goody two-shoes. AIDS is not a bad person's disease, Rose. It is not God punishing people for their sins. You're right, Blanche. Well, you damn straight I'm right. What these characters in these shows did was create a dialogue. These scenes place these beloved characters as allies to a community that faces, faces stigma. That has power. The Apple TV Plus series highlights how these fierce female characters could form a kinship with the LGBT plus community, because they had been marginalized too. That resonates with me as a gay man. I've always fed, felt a sense of maternal protection from characters like Blanche on television and people like her in real life. However, it wasn't until Ellen that we had a gay main character. Ellen's generous wanting to live an authentic life made the brave decision to come out in real life and then on her show. In the 1997 puppy episode of her ABC sitcom, her character Ellen Morgan came out on primetime television. I'm so afraid to tell people. I mean, I just... Susan, 
I'm gay. The episode faced criticism before it came out, and corporations like JCPenney and Wendy's pulled their advertisements from that time slot. But regardless, 42 million people tuned in that night to watch Ellen begin her journey as her authentic self. Following her coming out episode, the ratings declined, season three got a parental advisory, and people publicly asked, is Ellen too gay? For a time, Ellen thought her career was over, but fortunately, we saw a remarkable career comeback for Ellen. However, it was homophobia that put a temporary pause on her career. It was her personal bravery, along with activism and allies, that pushed for progress that made us part of the narrative again. Then came Will and Grace, a show about the relationship between a gay man and his straight best friend. It broke barriers. Then Vice President Biden said on Meet the Press in 2012, quote, I think Will and Grace did more to educate the American public more than almost anything anybody has done so far. People fear that which is different. Now they're beginning to understand, end quote. However, we cannot forget we did not see many LGBT people of color in these shows. As they discuss in the Out on Television series, white people had to do it first, like many things in our country's history. That's the ugly truth we cannot ignore going forward. One of my takeaways from Jeminson's masterclass in world building was who we consider the default says a lot about us as a society. We must not forget this misstep in LGBT history as we continue to grow and evolve as a community. When we acknowledge our history, we are less likely to repeat it. Representation matters. We all want to see someone on television who looks and acts like we do and feel less alone in this big, sometimes scary world. This brings me to my discussion with my mama bear. We share a love of many sitcoms, but we will discuss four that stand out to us as personal favorites. Roseanne. Roseanne, what is all this? It's a gay wedding! <gasps> this isn't a wedding, it's a circus! You have somehow managed to take every gay stereotype and just roll them up into one gigantic, offensive, roseanniacal ball of wrong. Relax. Nobody gets the wedding they really want. Friends. We were, we were... Yeah. Where are you? I'll find you. You slept with another woman. Oh, you're, you're one to talk. Everybody loves Raymond. We're turning into your parents. Okay, which one am I? And CBS's mom. Hi. Hi. Christy. Jill. <clears throat> nice bag. Thanks. It's Gucci. I wouldn't know. <laughs> Is this your first meeting? How can you tell? <laughs> well, no offense, but you kind of look like you just got tasered. <laughs> All right, I'm here with my mom, Laura Lynn Cannon. Thank you for joining me. You're welcome, Shane. Glad to be here. So we're going to talk about our favorite um, shared bond, which is uh, sitcom watching, and <laughs> why we think we love them so much. So one, um, despite Roseanne Barr's messy history, it's still a classic sitcom um, and one of your favorites. So 
why don't you tell the listeners a little bit why you um, identified with that so much? Well, when uh, the show first started, it was definitely different than Family Ties, uh, Full House. It was very groundbreaking to me. Um, it made, gave you a more real idea of what family truly was. So I felt like I could laugh at them as well as laugh at myself because yeah. I could identify. Yeah. And one of my favorite components of that show was that they actually had a gay character um, in Leon, um, and that was pretty groundbreaking at the time. Um, the clip that we listened to earlier about like him freaking out on Roseanne with the gay stereotypes that she was just throwing all of them into the wedding, I felt like that made um, gay characters not just like one-dimensional, you mm -hmm. know? And um, you know, that definitely changed the narrative a bit and gave us a little more control. Definitely. Um, so our other favorite sitcom, Friends, <laughs> uh, why do you think it is that we can watch them like again and again and again and again? Just love the characters. Yeah. Um, they're all so different, but they fit so well together. Uh, they play off each other. Uh, definitely the one-liners are <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely uh, rememberable. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and just you can just watch them again. It's like comfort food, you know what I mean? Exactly. It's, it's like escapism because, I mean, it's all such a fantasy in a sense. I mean, nobody can live in an apartment like that in the village in New York City. And you know what I mean? And, exactly. And unfortunately, you know, you don't always have these great groups of like six people, but it's such a nice fantasy, I think, to like think of and kind of aspirational in the fact that, you know, you are making friendships look so much like, you know, like family, that, that's the phase. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's the phase you are in your life. Yeah. You know, and that's what the writers life. said when I listened to some of them, their spiels about the show. Yeah. It's definitely a transitional into family life yeah. after that. But, um, I just think that they, uh, they just work so well together. Yeah. They definitely uh are always there for each other and i always liked coming home after a hard day and being able to, to laugh yeah you know? um another favorite i feel like you love it a little bit more than me but i mean i still i love it um everybody loves raymond and i think one thing i always think about is we thought always thought of oh, your brother my uncle <laughs> uncle yeah. rick and aunt tammy because it was kind of like their their relationship their, their relationship and their appearance yes per se. yes but like just the way they feel like handled life with kind of that humor towards each other and mm -hmm. I, I don't know where they kind of push each other around a little yeah, bit push each other's buttons but it's all okay in the end yeah <laughs> um, but definitely my mom's not free <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well <laughs> kidding grams um but yeah i mean it was just nice to see like i don't know like that you know the honest relationship with the in-laws you know what i mean that mm -hmm. she had where she wasn't like pretending all the time and it's like right you know you can mm -hmm. acknowledge that we don't always like like each other but we love each other exactly yeah exactly Always there for each other. Yeah. Even if you don't want them to be, yeah. they're still there. Like the, yeah, the, the famous <laughs> opening where they're all hiding or whatever mm -hmm. before the knock on the door. <laughs> I think Grimes would be like that if they didn't live in Maryland. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then our other most recent of the um, our favorite sitcoms is Mom um, on CBS. And for me, 
it's kind of um, it gave me a look into AA meetings before I was quite ready to actually enter into them, and I feel like that was that was a big step for them um, with uh, Chuck or who's creator? Uh, I forget what the creator's name is. Yeah. I can't remember. I don't know why. He's like he's made a bunch of other ones, like Two and a Half Men. I don't know why I'm forgetting mm-hmm. his name right now, but um, he is in recovery too. So I feel like it was a big step for him to like then put people that he's seen in rooms. He said like Christy and Bonnie are kind of based on people mm-hmm. he's seen in the rooms, and it was refreshing to see that on television that there is life after recovery. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Chuck Lore. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck Lore. Sorry, Chuck Lore. <laughs> you deserve me to remember your name. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, I, I believe it. For a lot of people, I'm sure it makes AA not as scary. Yeah. It's a very, um, seemed like it was a very welcoming place. And, um, you know, you're all in it together. Yeah. For one, you know, one purpose. And I am grateful to say that I have found my little tribe that feels like those characters in the show. And it's it's beautiful. And it's nice to see, like, that's, I feel like what the whole point of it all is. Like, we like to see ourselves on the screen. Exactly. We like to see different people represented. And I mm-hmm. feel like that's how, you know, that television is such a powerful medium and that it can help shape and change narratives and perspectives. Right. So. The characters are so lovable and... You can always identify with one of them. Exactly. You know, whether it be in friend, you know, friends or, you know, on mom or just Roseanne. Just, you know, you can even be a couple of those characters together. Yeah. You know, so. And it's always just nice to see that, you know, you can laugh with all the problems mm-hmm. in life. So. Yes, you have to laugh. Yeah. Laughter is the best medicine. Otherwise, well, you just... Life is terrible if you don't laugh. Exactly. So. Exactly. So, so. And I feel like, you know, it really brought us together. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. We laugh that's... together and talk about things and... You know, like I said it from the top, you know, Nick at Night was my little escape, you know, exactly. when I couldn't sleep, I could escape with those. And, mm-hmm. you know, in the early days when there weren't gays, you know, there were the strong, like, women, like Murphy Brown. And, you know, yeah. and throughout some of my research, it's like, you know, even back then, writers were trying to slip in, like, you know, archetypes of, you know, like, gay people, you know, different types of people that you could still identify. So there is mm-hmm. some science to it, you know. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And they've come a long way. Yeah. And, um... Makes me happy to see it. Yeah. So. Well, thank you for joining me, Mama Bear. You're welcome. It's been great. Love you. Love you. To wrap up our program, I want to recap some key points and leave you all with something to think about. Norman Lear broke barriers with his sitcoms that held a mirror up to some people, forcing them to reckon with their way of thinking and see how it impacts people. That pushes people to change. Sitcom storytelling can make things that seem different to you feel less foreign and make you understand and accept others. Ellen is an example of how activism and allies make an impact. Coming out of the closet on her sitcom was revolutionary, but it didn't immediately pave her way to success. Homophobia knocked her down for a while, but she got back up. Her inner strength and the voices of others that stood up for her and demanded representation made that comeback possible. It was this movement that led us to Will and Grace. The show made history, but it is also an example of how world building reveals what we consider the default. Will and Grace's character, uh, Will and Grace's creators focused on gay white men and straight white women, mostly leaving out people of color in this barrier breaking program. 
The evolution of LGBT plus representation in the sitcom genre says a lot about our society. We have made significant progress, but we still have a long way to go. When consuming digital media, we must thoughtfully analyze the material and ask ourselves if we see an accurate representation of our society. One that goes beyond a caricature or a stereotype or to check a box on their diversity list. Technology played a part in building online communities that turned into coalitions. We must continue to tap into this resource as we advocate for representation and protection of our civil rights. Thank you for joining me and have a great day.